0: Small dose. Self-help from the hip. Small dose. We're talking that shit. Small dose. Keeping it real. Small dose. Me and then It's So funky. <laughs> so funky. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are gonna get into this episode of Side, Side Effects of Free Speech. I mean, this was so necessary simply because everybody is using the words free speech. Way too freely, and y'all, I was so like set bent on doing this properly that you probably hear like horns honking in the background. That's because I'm in New York. Because I was like, I'm gonna bring my lawyer friend on the show to set the record straight. So today, well, you have like a married name now. I don't, no, no, it's just I still kept Natasha Kurgonker. That's me, okay, that's always me. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we're smarties, and we met at graduate school at Columbia University, the Institute for Research and African American Studies, and we're going to get into all of Natasha's dopeness later in the show. But first, we're going to drop a couple gems. But before we drop a couple gems, let me just say that this episode is inspired by the Roseanne Barr situation, by a group of young men wearing Make America Great hats when they come into the African American History Museum, by Kanye West. Like, there's just been a litany of examples of spo- – people like speaking freely and then people like me being like hey that's, that's whack. whack and then people being like they can they have their opinion. opinion and then thinking that somehow I have infringed upon their free speech so we're gonna clear that up and first up let's get a gem droppery happening Gem jam dropping Gem jam dropping jam droppin'. We're dropping on these hoes So I'm going to read the First Amendment off my phone because I was in American Government class. Shout out to, to Miss Mitchell! The best! <laughs> Dr. Phillips High School. I was in her class just often enough to make sure that I got enough of the questions right on tests in order to graduate because it was basically one of the few like required classes for graduation. Um, but I wasn't there enough to be able to tell you like the true way the government works um, and I didn't listen uh, to Uh, Conjunction, junction, and all that stuff, you know, when they break it down, either. So, you know, there's a lot that I've learned recently simply because it was like, oh, you missed some Some fundamentals, fundamentals. Amanda. It's just that I know how common sense works, and that's what gets me through. So, the First Amendment reads Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And the rights that are guaranteed are that like you can do all of that without the government like arresting you or shutting you down, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the reality is that um, our government right now be doing like all of that. And uh, not really upholding the Constitution the way that it's supposed to be, in my personal opinion. But I am not a Supreme Court just yes, so it doesn't really matter. The reality of our gem drop today is what, what free, speech free speech is, is. versus what, what people, people think free speech is. is. What I just read to you is what free speech is in actuality. It is an amendment in the Constitution that says that you have the right— to speak and to challenge government and to protest peacefully without being suppressed by the government. This is the integral part of the conversation, by By the government, government. without being suppressed by by the the government. government. What people seem to think free speech means is you can say whatever the fuck you want and not be suppressed by anybody. And that is not the case. So we got to get into this because... We are at a really integral time in our in our history, in our country, where we not only have, like, the most insidious White House that we've had in an incredibly long time, uh, but also the most, like, visibly insidious White House, right? So, don't get me wrong, like, we've had shitty-ass White Houses, as I can see, but they have still been on, like, some little, like, hush-hush. They really kind of keep it, like, on the down-low, on the DL, you know? Keep it on the down-low. Stealing their rights and doing prison industrial complexes. I mean, that's essentially like how it's been, right? But now they're like, Oh, everybody, 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 join in, join in. It's like they're doing an electric slide of fuckery every day in front of you on the White House lawn and being like, come on, join in. And then when you're like, should I join in? They're like, nah, you can't (laughs) join in because we didn't change it up. Now we're doing the wobble. And then you're like, oh, I know how to do the wobble. And they're like, aha, gotcha, bitch. Now we're doing the cha-cha slide two times, three times. Now lie it out. And then Kellyanne Conway steps in and is like, (laughs) we weren't even dancing. that's what it feels like uh, with our current administration. And that being said, we have more folks, I feel like in recent time who are like, we have to speak out as visibly and audibly as possible as journalists, as bloggers, as just regular citizens, because if we don't speak up, then this continues to get more pervasive, more pervasive. And then the ignorance just permeates deeper and deeper and deeper into the limestone. So in that, You see this government that is actually suppressing free speech on a regular basis. When Donald Trump decided as president to attack free citizen Jamel Hill, who's also a journalist, for her comments about him as president, like I feel like that is what triggered ESPN to feel like they needed to discipline her. And I don't feel like they would have had he not crossed the line as a government, you know, employee and as somebody who's an elected official and as the president of the fucking United States and pointed her out, you know. And I feel like that's where we start seeing the blurred line. And then. You you have like fake news so like this government just makes shit up and then they're like well we can I mean we can say whatever we want and it's free speech and it's like no fake news is just false free speech doesn't mean you can just say lies and that it won't have any consequences I mean look at Sarah Huckabee literally her job is not the White House press secretary she is literally the White House liar she's just the liar like she is who you'd cart out to be like hey no none of that happened and whatever, whatever. So when we talk about free speech, we need to understand that free speech doesn't mean free from consequences. It simply means free from consequences at the hands of the government. The crazy part, though, is right now we have a government that is trying to employ the act of free speech. But yet, as the government, you don't have free speech in the same way as citizens, your free speech cannot mean wrong speech. It cannot mean hate speech. It cannot mean oppressive, suppressive, discriminatory speech. And when you have someone like Donald Trump who will like stand on a podium and and say like, "Yeah, these guys were like, you know, coming out here with torches, but they, they were you know, there were some good guys in that Nazi crowd." Like and then be like, "What? I was just I was just, you know, I needed time." It's like we have to understand that the government and the people that are elected to government are Supposed to uphold certain ethics, and that's why we've put them in that position. And as free citizens, we have to uphold their ethics, <laughs> like we have to make sure that they're upholding that and challenging that and that is why we have to have free speech so that we can do that, so we can challenge the fake news, so we can challenge the discrimination, so we can challenge the suppression, and when we have you know, these militarized police forces, they are not working for us, absolutely not, they are essentially extensions of the army because they are now also carrying out like suppressive acts against regular free citizens who are simply challenging different government policy and um, and federal policy. So I know I sound like I'm all over the place with this because I'm not the expert on it. And we do have someone in the show today who's going to be an expert on it, who can give it even clearer. But I really want to make clear this. There is an absolute falsity that says that free speech means you can say really hurtful, Disdainful, discriminatory things, discriminatory things to people, and not have to suffer any consequences by anyone. And that means that people think that you can say wild shit and not lose your job. People think they can say wild shit and not lose their teeth. Um, people think that they can say wild shit and not have to ch- and not have to stick up for themselves or not have to answer to it. And that's not it. Free speech does not mean free from consequences. Your opinion. Does not mean it's valid. Simply just means it's yours. And especially if it's not factful, it will be challenged. But what happens is I see a lot of, especially racist folks, feel like they can say whatever they want. And then they're like, it's free speech, it's harmful speech. And the other thing is, is that. Actually, you're not allowed to use hate speech. Hate speech actually does have consequences. And when you are using language to suggest, incite, or actually enact hurt upon people, you're going to have to answer for it. Maybe not by the government, maybe not by the cops, but it may be by somebody's fist. And if it's not, then it may be by these internets because they will come for yo ass. Look at that lawyer Schlossberg. He was exercising his free speech up in that restaurant. And guess what? All them Latinx people exercised their free speech in front of his fucking apartment building. ay ay, ay, ay. Oh, my God. It was amazing. And now he put out a statement talking about, oh, you know, I'm sorry for anybody that I hurt. You know, I'm not that kind of person. Fuck out! there's several videos of you being that prick every goddamn day you just thought that you were absolved of having to ever be held accountable for it because one maybe you're a white guy in america or two maybe you're just a prick you know three maybe you're like american psycho and you thought well as long as i just go return some tapes i'm gonna get away from it no no you're going to be held accountable. It may have taken some time, but guess what? It's happening now. And I'll bet you what really happened was that enough people complained to the bar. <laughs> and the bar was like, bruh, I don't know, playboy. We may have to uh, kick you out of this whole Juris Dr. Esquire situation. And then, oh, now you got apologies. You better be donating all of your funds to making sure that that wall does not get built. And you better go to class And start working on your civil liberties law. Because really what you should be doing, if you're really bad about it, Mark Schlossberg, you would start dedicating some of your time to pro bono civil liberties work. But you're not going to do that because you're an actual prick. And uh, freedom of speech does not mean free to be a prick. All it means is that you can be a prick and the government won't come for you. But you know who will? I will. Before we get into these DMTs, let me give you an example of, of what this means. Tommy Loren gets on any platform she can to talk a bunch of fuck shit. She lies. She ignores facts. She conflates issues. She says things for shock value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she does not expect there to be any consequences for that. But when you do these things, there are consequences, the same way that I know that I speak very directly, very uh, starkly in contrast to a lot of folks in Hollywood, and I speak very honestly about the fuckery that goes on in this country on various levels, especially with women and black people, I know that there are consequences for that. I know that that could affect like how I get hired to do different jobs. I know that that can affect my safety. I know that that can affect the type of men that are attracted to me, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I'm aware and I don't cry out like it's free speech and I can do whatever I want it's like you can say whatever you want but you have to know that you don't live in a vacuum and that when you say things and people hear them that they have the freedom to respond and that is what people forget is that these people in this society are not the government the government is not going to be able to affect you but other people will. So when Tommy Loren gets water thrown on her in Minneapolis and it's like, ah, like she's a damn femme fatale on the tracks, it's like, first of all, as my boy Chris Redd on SNL said, y'all acting like she ain't never been in the rain. And secondly, this is what happens. When you are continuously speaking for the destruction, the Diminishment, the discrimination of people, especially marginalized people, you seem to think that no one is going to challenge you on that. And you seem to think that you can continuously do these things and <laughs> that is going to make you elevate. No. Then you have people who are like, oh, well, they shouldn't have been saying fuck that bitch to her. So she can literally be on several mainstream media outlets calling for the, the the lessening of rights of Muslims, of Latinx people, of black people, but she doesn't deserve to be called a bitch? That's the definition of a bitch. Somebody who's mean for no, no fucking reason. reason. And, and by the, the way, I said somebody. somebody. Because in my mind, bitch is also genderless at this point. And it can have two meanings. It can mean somebody who's mean for no reason or somebody who's a coward. And she's both. She's a bitch bitch. D-M-G. We're serving it. Question number one. How do you explain free speech versus white people using the N word and other forms of hate speech? Yeah,
1: yeah we, we should, should wait, wait for expert to, to be here because that's, that's a really good question.
0: Because I have like what I as a regular citizen think, and I would love to hear that against what somebody who's in like the actual law space thinks. So typically I do DMT by myself, but because we have an expert on the law, a law expert, a a, a juris doctorate, a
1: (laughs) (laughs) A lawyer, if you will, a
0: a, a lawyer, if you will, a, uh, you know, and, uh, what's the other one? Um, What's my favorite? An esquire. An esquire. That's it's my favorite. True. I never use it. Oh, you're slipping. I'm slipping. I mean, I just feel like your your driver's license should say hey, Natasha Car Esquire. Esquire. I'm gonna see about that. I mean, it's I'm a, just on um, the It's a good um, idea. It's Thank very because it's like it's just like so extra. In the way that, like, straight white men in America have always had the right to be without doing any studying. like
1: <laughs> So true. My favorite thing is when a man who's not a lawyer corrects me on the law. <laughs> that is my favorite thing. You would be shocked. <laughs> Actually, Actually, you wouldn't. wouldn't. No. <laughs> some might be shocked to know that it happens with quite some frequency. My second favorite thing is when a lawyer who is not a civil
0: rights lawyer— Correct me on civil rights law. Oh, that's even better. Even better. So typically, you know, when we we do people I like, we would like run down your whole credits. But since we're going to start with DMT, I think the people should know your credits before we even get into DMT so they They can understand understand the legitimacy legitimacy. of Of the the woman sitting here chiming in in on these answers. answers. So, Natasha, can you just please give people a quick little overview of like where you've been, where you are in terms of your legal um, profession? Totally. So I met you when we were getting our master's
1: in African-American studies at Columbia. It was amazing. Yes. It was a gift. Mm. And this friendship is part of the gift that keeps giving. Uh. I practiced law for about 10 years, and most of my time practicing law was as a civil rights lawyer at the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. I mostly did voting rights. I'm not there anymore, but it remains one of my proudest accomplishments to have done that kind of work where I did it.
0: And Natasha, uh, can you tell me your ethnicity, please?
1: Yes, I'm South
0: Asian. That's right. Natasha is an ally. Absolutely, one thousand, a thousand percent. Yes. Um, so, when you were at the NAACP doing voting rights law, et cetera, do you feel like free speech? W- would you Would you often hear like this misuse of free speech in like the zeitgeist? Because I feel like it has exploded in recent times. It's
1: It's out there. I mean, it's totally true that the way that First Amendment jurisprudence has changed over you the time. You better say a jurisprudence. jurisprudence <laughs> 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 I mean, it's a big deal. Just to totally put it in the plainest of terms, the First Amendment is a huge deal. We love it. We hate it. It gets appropriated. It gets misappropriated. It gets used in the right ways a lot of times, too. There's so much to say about the First Amendment. That's why it's first.
0: Can I? Right. <laughs> Can I ask you this, like does the First Amendment change when you're the President, like how it applies, or is it simply just like you know it's according to how that person wants to use it, but there isn't anything like law abiding in terms of that?
1: Well, let me answer your question by telling you about a lawsuit that mm-hmm. I have heard of. It's called the Knight Institute versus Trump, and it's the lawsuit challenging that the current president has blocked people on Twitter. You've probably heard about this. He's been blocking random people who are critical of things that he says or Mm. who engage him on topics with which they disagree with him. So there is an example of the Mm. intersection of the office of the president and the First Amendment. And I'm happy to say that the Knight Institute, actually at Columbia Law School, which filed the lawsuit, has recently won... (gasps) The president said he's going to appeal it. I'm not working on the case, so.
0: You don't know the ins and outs. I don't know the
1: ins and outs, but it's something that's so important to think about. It's super important to think about. This is really about just sort of like what the public forum is and can we all participate in it? Can we all participate in it with
0: respect to that person and that office as well? So it's something to keep an eye out for. One of the things that I pride myself on... Um Is being able to know Like the best people for the job And I am so happy that you're here Like literally as you answered that I was like Amanda Like Natasha's awesomeness Is like a reflection of your awesomeness right now Because you knew that Natasha would be awesome And here we are I'm Ah! super psyched to be here I'm I'm so ready You know
1: I'm always talking about the law With other lawyers I'm always (laughs) talking about the law with judges For example Right. So it's really nice to be able to talk about it Just with a friend
0: so you're not at the NAACP right now. I'm not. Are you chilling? Are you just figuring out the next trajectory? I think that's what we're all kind of doing.
1: I think that's what we're all kind of doing. I'm super doing that. I just graduated from business school after practicing law for about 10 years. <laughs> Did
0: you guys so... hear? i just, <laughs> I just like to reiterate one more. She <laughs> <laughs> Natasha now has an MA. Well, so your undergrad is a BA. That's right. At from Brown. From Brown. An MA in, in, in African American Studies from Columbia. Uh, a JD, right? Is that what you That's would call right. it? Yeah. A JD a from Columbia. And now you have your MBA from? Columbia. I made it a hat trick. <laughs> you made it. I that went hat back trick. home. I made it a hat trick. This is your version of an EGOT.
1: I don't know what an EGOT is. An EGOT
0: is an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony.
1: Oh my god! My
0: goal in life. That's Well, one be of you. them. That's my Your one EGOT of my goals. Moment. I have a couple goals. I want to, you know, build a uh, Afrocentric private school in the Los Angeles area. Amazing. I want to build an HBCU of comedy schools. Yes. SFBA, Smartphone and Black Academy. And That's amazing. I want a fucking America. Egot.
1: There you go. Yeah. I have No doubt, let me tell you, when I decided to go to business school, not an easy decision. To leave the practice of law, at least for a little bit of time, not mm-hmm. need to see decision to leave the legal defense fund, which I love. Yeah. Uh, but when I thought about sort of like, do I take this risk? Do I do this thing? I thought about you. I thought about you. I thought about your decision to move to L.A. I thought about the bravery that that took, the uh, just sort of the passion for doing things oh, it's for doing things, and that gave me the courage to do this thing. And it's been such a crazy adventure. I mean, you know.
0: thanks. I'm not
1: just saying that because we're speeding,
0: (laughs) whatever that means. speeding is a term for recording. (laughs) Tasha's learning the lingo. I'm learning
1: the lingo. No, it's totally true. It's totally true. That's so, that's great. Life is
0: long, God willing. You know, Chris Rock always says, people say life is short, but when you make bad decisions... Life is long. <laughs> it's real long. <laughs> life is long. Like life is long. Like if you're like it's not as short as you think. You know, you can it's it's about it feels all perspective. Totally. What did you like about the Legal Defense Fund? Uh, everything. I love the work we
1: did. I love my clients. I love my colleagues. It was amazing to work in an office that is doing historical work that has a historical presence. Mm. And to feel that just for even a moment, about six years, I could be part of that legacy is something that I think is the best thing I'll ever do. And I'm committed to working in these issues still. I really miss the law. I don't know what this next phase of my career will be. Mm -hmm. But without a doubt, in my heart, I am a civil rights lawyer. That's what I've always wanted to do since I was a little, little kid.
0: Yeah, And that's what I
1: still want to be able to do, maybe, maybe in a little bit of a different way now that I have this MBA. Yeah. Maybe not. Who knows? We'll
0: see. But there's one more person out here who has the information and also the drive and has put it to praxis. And I think that to me is what is so unique and awesome about you. And like just trying to get people in that headspace. Cause you'll get people that have the information, but they don't have the motivation. And then you'll get the people that have the drive, but they haven't really like attached the actual work to the drive that like allows their work to be legitimized. That's why when people tell me like everyone can have an opinion, I'm like, yeah, but not every opinion is an educated opinion. That's absolutely right. It's (laughs) like everyone's entitled to their opinion. Not
1: everyone is entitled to their Facts. That's, or I guess there's only one set of facts. There's only one set of facts. You know, not
0: all opinions have merit. When people try and come at me, I'm like, listen, when I say something, it's coming from a fact based foundation. I didn't shade you. The facts shaded you. Okay. People need to work with the facts. I just feel like the facts are, people are scared of the facts. People are scared of the facts. They're scared
1: of dealing with the truth sometimes. And I get it. The truth can be scary, but what are we going to do if
0: not to confront it? I just, I want to see, I want to see people get confronted with the truth right now as we head into these DMT (laughs) questions. So, Natasha, someone asked, how do you explain free speech versus white people using the N word and other forms of hate speech? Wow. That's a great question. It's a
1: complicated question. So... Legally, if you are not threatening someone, you can say words. But I'm going to venture a guess and say when people are using that word, they're usually using it in a super abusive way, a threatening way. And that could be contrary to the law. Free speech, I mean, a lot of people think of free speech as just sort of like, you can say anything. You can be free of consequence, like do whatever and we have to accept it. That's not true at all. Part of someone's right to free speech is the right not to say things that are messed up to say. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to take it back Mm -hmm. to when I was a college student. Back in the day, um, I was in college. There was a college newspaper, as there often tends to be in most colleges. Mm -hmm. And this super conservative... (laughs) hate monger, placed an ad in that college newspaper. And the ad, I you know, I, don't quote me on this because I can't remember if this is the exact title, but it's something like top 10 reasons why slavery benefited black people.
0: It was bananas. Everyone in the room right now, including Dylan, just went, uh. <laughs> what? I mean. Because someone sat down and thought about that and was like, yeah, this is this 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 makes sense. Someone and then sent it in. Sent it in as, as a paid and advertisement paid for it.
1: to the college newspaper. Tell me why the college newspaper printed it. And then tried to justify it on free speech grounds. This was before I was a lawyer, right? I was like mm-hmm. 19 or 20 years old at the time. And that's the first time, for better or for worse, that's the first time I really sat and thought about, what is this First Amendment? And really thought critically about how it can't serve to insulate you from any kind of criticism. No. Right? The way the college newspaper was trying to say it did. And also part of your First Amendment rights entail the right to say, we're not going to publish garbage. We're not going
0: to publish something hateful. We're not going to publish so that's, something like that. That's the caveat. The same way that people have a right to say something, you have a right to refuse it. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: As long as you're not being violent or abusive, I mean, yeah, you have the right to refuse it. You have the right to have a counterpoint. And that's a right that you should exercise, particularly people of color and women have a right and LGBT people. Anyone who's being attacked
0: has a right to respond. In fact, you should. Which is what I've been really encouraging people to do because I feel like there's this like— there's this overarching blanketed thought process that says like everyone can have an opinion and it's leaving out the extra part of that, which is, and you are entitled to challenge an opinion. Everyone has a right to an opinion. You have a right to challenge that opinion. And somehow or another free speech gets like intermingled in there. And it says that like free speech is you don't have to challenge, but part of free speech is your agency To challenge someone else speaking freely that is harmful, that is false. You know, like people speaking erroneously about things don't get to just call it opinion. Absolutely. I
1: mean, (laughs) opinions aren't always right. Like, just because you slap something with the label of opinion, it doesn't mean it's okay. In fact, there's plenty of really bad opinions out there. I think we're
0: all familiar with a lot of them. <laughs> a lot of them. A lot of them. I did, like, a whole episode of just, like, stupid questions. I mean, just, like, phrases that I hate. And, like, the whole episode is my opinion on phrases <laughs> I hate. And some people were like, well, you know, th- that phrase is a good phrase. I'm like, then you can do an episode. On why you like the phrase, there are no stupid questions. <laughs> I think it's false. There are stupid questions. And that's your opinion. That's a fact, Natasha. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> there that's, are stupid there's questions. There's a lot of stupid questions. There's a lot of questions. You know, stupid what's questions. another stupid question? Was slavery good for black people? That's a stupid question. It's harmful. Oh, it's so many kinds of questions. It is bananas. What was one the of the least. reasons? Do you remember? Because I know you read it.
1: Yeah, I know I, the one reason I remember, because I try to do a purge of useless information every now and then, but yes. the one I remember is the justification that black people would not have come to the new world were it not for the institution of slavery. And coming to the new world is a good thing. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm reading Barracoon by Zora Neale Hurston right now, the book that just came out, her interview of a man— who came over here on uh, the last slave ship to come to the US. Yes, And I've been thinking about that
0: question a lot. I'm buying it today. I've been thinking, because I really need to get back on my reading. Well, you're, you're pretty busy. I, but, but it's like, but you know what I mean? It's like one of those things like when a guy that likes you says they're busy so they can't like talk to you and you're <laughs> just like, you can find a way. You like you don't need to have like a three-hour conversation with me, but we can talk like, you know, intermittently. And it's the same way that like with a book, it's like maybe I don't have three hours to sit and just like cozy up with a blanket by the fire. But I'm on planes. <laughs> I'm on planes. And let me tell you, with with this book,
1: I'm not going to recommend well, everyone's reading experience is different, but that you sit down with it with a cozy blanket. I could barely, I mean, I could do 10 minutes at a time. It's okay. the most
0: gut-wrenching thing. So it's I've like watching way. Handmaid's Tale. Got it. What, yeah, I haven't seen it. Handmaid's Tale is like if white women were in slavery. Like literally, it's Sounds like a white upsetting. woman's horror movie because it's basically like, oh, this is what happened to everybody but us. Sounds good. Got upsetting. it. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm, I'm actually It's speechless. all the tent poles. Lynching, raping. Beat it. You name it. It's in there. And it's like, oh, Susan, this could happen to you. Yeah. Which, to be honest, you know, Trump voters like it just when you see that Pence is the person who's next, like that's they envision. There's a lot. There's there's a lot going on. If
1: I might just depart from First Amendment for a moment moment and talk about
0: voting. You know what? Can can you put a pin in that and talk about voting when we are in our special segment dedicated to people I like, which is you? Definitely. Because I'm trying to keep order because we're literally just sitting here having a conversation (laughs) because we we can do do that. that. But I just want to do the last two questions and I want to really hear you on this because I feel like I've been slipping on voting. And California – I think a lot of us in California rested on our laurels Mm -hmm. and just thought like, we're California. It's going to be fine. And now it's like, no bitches get out there, get out there. So like the next episode really needs to be someone who knows like the specificities on voting in California so that we can get people like to the polls for the right reasons for the right people. So true. So next DMT question. Why do so many people interpret free speech to mean you can say whatever you want and no one can have an opinion about your statements.
1: I'm going to start by saying those people are wrong. Mm -hmm. So I want the question asker to feel (laughs) validated. That was a really good question. I don't know why people think that free speech means you can say anything and you are insulated from consequence. It simply doesn't mean that. It means you can say things, but other people also have a free speech, right? That
0: means they can say things back. And it literally means that you can say things without government... Government interference. So wouldn't you say that there's actually like something to be said for the fact that when Jamel Hill said that, you know, Donald Trump was a racist and then he went publicly and said that she needs to be um, chastised and punished by her employer. And then ESPN went so far as to suspend her. I feel like that is infringement upon free speech because he was using his power as the president to honestly, like, give um, influence in the private sector. That was
1: definitely... The wrong move. Um, What went down was not cool at all. And for him to use the office of the presidency in the way that he did to chill someone's right to speech is not appropriate. But is it unlawful?
0: I don't know. Really? Okay. I don't know. Because he's the government, isn't he? He's the government. So he's the government, but
1: he wasn't like literally censoring her. It's a little...
0: So literal censoring would be... Like him saying she no longer. You are not allowed to criticize the office of the president. That's
1: illegal. Him saying that. Him saying that. Sorry. Yeah. He, right. So, so him saying the New York Times can't publish articles that are critical
0: of this meeting with North Korea. Mm. Like him verbalizing that on record. Making a policy and a practice. So there. that was my question. So is it like a, ver- like, is he, if he verbally says it, it's just kind of in the ether. But if he, if he like made it an actual decree, then it's unlawful.
1: You know, I think we're experiencing a new thing where we now have this president for whom the random things he says in the ether <laughs> may or may not actually end up being things that he construes or his people construe as policies. So I think we're a little bit in uncharted territory here.
0: Right? Because, yeah. I mean, it just feels like he says things and then it's just carried forth as if it is policy. And yeah, I'm just like, like. The first 37 years of my
1: life, mostly what was happening is that presidents said things that they meant. <laughs> like So it's like a little different now. Right. Where I just, I just don't know. Is a tweet a law? I mean, no. But some people think it might be.
0: I think a lot of the reason that people think that, like, you you know free speech means you can say whatever you want is that and I mentioned this earlier in the show is that and I I don't know like I can't like pinpoint the exact moment when this started happening but like it just started becoming used as a buzzword like as as a buzz phrase for getting away with what you're saying like I did a post on my Instagram the other day about how like I was on a date with a guy and he was expressed how he was like avidly homophobic I mean he was homophobic like people are about sneakers I mean he was just like really into it you know he was a collector and And I um, was like, oh, cool. And I just left him standing where he was, got on the train and went home. Mm -hmm. And people were like, that man has a right to his opinion. He has free speech. You don't need to judge him. And I'm like, I literally left him standing where he was and left. Like, I can judge. The, The other part of that is how people love to add, like, you don't have to judge somebody. And it's like, maybe I don't have to judge a person, but I can judge who is in my space. I think you <laughs> must judge who's in your space. You interspace. have to. It's
1: called self-protection. Yes. Not everyone's entitled to your time. I never get it. I, I get, like, I'm a lawyer. I'm kind of comfortable with judging or whatever. But I do not get people's, like, don't be judgmental.
0: I'm like, you better be. It's like, <laughs> if you're racist, I'm going to judge that. I'm going to judge the shit out of I'm you. I'm
1: totally going to judge that. If you're homophobic, I have judgments about that. I don't think it's cool.
0: It's not cool it's like not if cool. you don't take care of your children, I'm judging you that's just a fact you know it's like and I think that you have to create you have to pass judgment to determine is this person valuable in your space is this person valuable of your time I think what people mean when they say like I'm not judging they mean that like they're not diminishing that person's like right to their rights or whatever sure. and I'm like that's cute very righteous I get it but in like the real world everyday human exchange we're judging all day long like you're on the train I mean, and you're judging who you want to sit next to we we have to be
1: if what people mean is like you are not entitled to undermine someone's humanity fair enough. their humanness their personhood yep. totally agree with that yes if what they mean is like everything is equally okay <laughs>
0: It's not—what wow, are we doing? Like, everything is not equally okay. That's, like, the basis of civilization. Like, I have a homeboy who's like, yeah, you know, my homeboy is a pimp, but, you know, I don't judge. And I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? He's a pimp, but I don't judge. I don't know. It's like, I've lost so many friendships
1: when people say crazy things that I can't—you st- know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I, I guess I'm judging—
0: but I'm also not going to be friends with a homophobe. I had a friend like, who tortured a mouse that he had oof. got caught in his in his house, and like I never got over it. Yeah, that's creepy. It. I never
1: got over it. I I wouldn't either. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm judging your friend right I'm now. Jud- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I don't even know who he is, where he is, why he I did it. I never recovered. I am not comfortable. And he tried to, like, explain the impetus around it. And, that you know, the mouse had been, like, annoying him. And it had been running around. And it was just like, you know, he felt like the mouse had, like, purposely even. And I'm like, do you he hear aggraved. how— yeah, he was aggrieved. He by was aggrieved by the mouse, yeah. and I was like, "I hear you, but nah. Like, I can't get with that." And I'm not saying that I am like quote unquote sin free or that I'm like you know whatever. Like, there's certain shit that people can absolutely judge me for, one thousand percent. But I feel like I will consciously like make a decision that is not based in an ex an exemption of goodness. Totally. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. I think I do. Like I may, maybe I misread something, like misread a movement or a moment or whatever, but i never, am just like, that's trash, but I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) do (laughs) it. That's never the move. That's never the move. And I think with free speech, it's like so often people are like, that's trash, but I'm going to say it because I can. And it's like, you have freedom of choice. More importantly, the freedom of speech. Yeah, like you can say things, but you can also choose
1: not to because they're going to hurt someone, because they are going to undermine someone's humanity, because they're going to make someone feel unsafe, because they're going to shut someone down in a way that you can recognize is not respectful of their personhood, their humanity, their whatever. So I don't get why people sometimes, like in the newspaper (laughs) example that I told you, Misconstrue free speech for, like, compelled speech. Mm. It's like if I have a newspaper and someone's trying to publish some kind of crazy racist ad, I can just say
0: no. It's your paper. It's my paper. I got attacked on the internet one time because I was put up on this site, which name I won't say, but I, I had, like, a rap that I had done, like, a freestyle. And instead of, like, putting the graphic that I had supplied them with up, they decided to use, like, a more suggestive graphic that was like a, fo- a photo mm-hmm. that was taken from, like, the pit at a, at a show. So, like, it was basically, like, a camera, like, pointing straight up into my cervix. And, <laughs> like... I'm wearing shorts, but it's still just suggestive. And the person who posted it put Amanda Seals versus the commenters. So, like, they were goading the commenters and these, like, 16 year old douchebags sitting in their homes, like, waiting for mom to bring them a tuna sandwich while they completely try to annihilate my self esteem. And so, like, they're literally, like, forever. Hours, Tosh, for hours. They're like, Amanda Seals is a dirty cunt. Amanda Seals, I want to d- gouge her eyes out and nut in her eye sockets. Amanda Seals' kneecaps look like Patrick Ewing. You know, just very offensive things. And uh, someone said that my hair looks like pretzels that they want to nut in. I'm like, what? Wow. And so, this is going on and like people are texting me like hey like I hope you're okay. I know that you're seeing this cuz it was a very like popular hip hop site. Mm-hmm. And then the guy who owns the site, the owner of the site who posted it puts in the comments, "Hey, are y'all done with Amanda or can I put another post?" What what is the Okay. So actually, you know what? Nah, fuck that. The site was called Not nah Right. The nigga's name is SK. He really thought that shit was cool. Like he really, really thought it was cool. And it was so wild how many people came to me and were like, "You just have to deal with it. It's free speech." Like, you know, he has a right. And he even said cuz I you know me, I confronted him on it. Yes, and I was like, "Yo, why are you allowing this to go on?" And he said, "This is my this is my uh, my site and this is my forum and I'm not going to censor my viewers." I'm not going to censor my, my audience. And I'm just like, it's not, it's not censoring when you are, you're literally antagonizing. You're literally, you're doing the exact opposite of censoring.
1: I mean, that's like, that sounds like
0: threats. It's threats. It's threats. They're like. And you're, and it's completely, and it's completely irrelevant to the post. The post is a rap about I'm a diva like and and yet and still like you're goading this this behavior why what is it that is you're getting from this you're literally like asking people to say derogatory demeaning sexually explicit things about a woman and when you see it happening instead of even just being like hey guys that's not cool if you're going to comment stick to it being about the music even if you did that that at least shows your character cuz oh. now i'm judging you. But it's like, you don't understand how many people hit me We're like, Amanda, it's free speech. Like, he can't do anything. And, you know, they can't do anything. And it's just like, you can't. and Amanda, you can't do anything because it's the internet and he's more powerful. Oh, for real? Oof. <laughs> that breaks my heart. It was insane. Some people, like, I just don't get where the
1: victory comes from. It's like mm. you're enabling what you think, what you're saying is free speech, but really... You're enabling something that contributes nothing, contributes absolutely nothing. And what's well, amazing
0: just, where people plant their flag in purpose.
1: Totally true. Like that's the sword you're going to fall on. Is <laughs> <It's> like whatever <laughs> these random people said about your body. I'm, like that was a win for you. That's a win. You know. Help me understand. <laughs> help, me, help me understand. Help me understand. How's that a win? Like you did what? You enabled what? People to be
0: vile? hmm Good job. Good job.
1: High five. Good job. You I made it easy to be vile. Five.
0: I don't know what else to say about that. Here's the last DMT because I really want to get into voting.
1: I love these DMTs.
0: I bet most people are going to ask about the dangers of racist and alt-right rhetoric, but what about in our personal lives? I often have to self-censor because some people can't handle the truth. Or when I express what I really think about the world, people label me as negative, too critical, or even cold-hearted. You seem like a pretty honest and straight-to-the-point person. How do you deal with that? I'll take this one. Go for it. <laughs> First of all, this question, though completely relevant to like your life, is actually not relevant to free speech because free speech has nothing to do with your personal life. Like, in all intents, for all intents and purposes, free speech in the way that people are misusing it is really about the fact that you have freedom of speech from being censored by the government. We just keep reiterating it because I want people to truly, truly understand that. We live in a time now where there's more places to speak than ever. Because honestly, free speech, I feel like, has somehow gotten bastardized because it's the same way that the word literal became literally like, became like, like started
1: to mean figurative. Yes, which is the
0: opposite. Is the opposite. <laughs> it's like what people have come to think free speech means is that everybody has a right to. And they've they've left off the extra part of nuance. Because now that we have the internet, everybody does have a platform in the way that they never did. It used to th- it used to be that the only people that had access to speaking freely um, on a large platform were people with status. You know, or people that were in certain professions. And for the most part, the regular man, you know, who's just like in their car on the way to work, like didn't have access to like go on the shade room and be like, this shit is bullshit, (laughs) you know, or to like tweet Donald Trump and be like, I think you're racist. Like you would have had to write a letter, that letter would have been read by somebody else. Like it just never was the case. So free speech now has really become, I think, um, misappropriated as free access. And we have to like, uh, no. We have to actually pull the reins in on that because you're talking about the fact that people just don't want to hear how direct you are. Like that's what this DMT question is. And you're honest and people say you're too negative. I don't know you, so maybe you are too negative. But I can tell you this, being honest don't mean you being negative. Like so true. there is oftentimes, and you should listen to side effects of being a realist because oftentimes when you are a realist and you're calling out, the situation it might be a negative situation and as a realist you acknowledge the real things in front of you like when people say like you're negative about like america right now it's like mm.
1: <laughs> well
0: <laughs> there's a lot to be you know negative about there's
1: cause for concern
0: and it's just like i feel like there's there's a thing about, I always say, like, don't change who you are, change who you're talking to. Like, if you really look at yourself, because we got to do that. We always got to look at ourselves and be like, okay, did I have to say that? You know what I'm saying? Like, in certain settings, in certain times, I mean, that's just tact. Because there's something about being truthful, but there's also about being tact. And some people feel like, well, if I'm honest, like, what's the problem? It's like, no, 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 no. Tact is very important. You can have honesty, but it's how you deliver it. It's when you deliver it, who you deliver it to. Those things are, are are important. I hate when people say I don't have a filter because I'm like, no, no, no. I have a filter. It's just that my filter is different than a lot of other people's because my tact is not fear-based. Totally. Like uh, most people's tact is fear-based. I'm not going to say that cuz I'm afraid of what people afraid. will think of me. I'm afraid of what, how I will sound. I'm afraid to have to back it up, etc. And I don't have those filtered into my tact. My tact is based on like does this need to be said? Is it going to move the conversation forward? Is it going to, you know, create um clarity? Like those are the basic like pinpoints to my way of filtering through how I'm going to say things. I think when you tell me, I think when I read this DMT, I'm hearing somebody who's like, you know what? I'm frustrated because I don't want to have to like dumb myself down or I don't want to have to hold back um, because people can't handle the truth. And I think it just depends on who you're talking to and what you're talking about. Like, I'll give a perfect example. Like, if you're seeing somebody and... I'll give a great example. So I had a boyfriend that Natasha met and Natasha did not like this boyfriend, but she never told me because she was like, well, I just didn't want I just, to like, I know, insert I myself. Just. And so I had to tell her, like, you are cl- you have clearance from this point forward that if you meet someone I'm seeing and they are like. Not the business that you can feel free to say that to me without me taking it as like I can't handle the truth. And so often with our girlfriends, we see truths that we don't want to tell them because we're like they can't handle it. It's not the time. Or you
1: don't want to be like you don't want to be down on you don't want to be negative, Nancy.
0: Yeah, completely. But sometimes you got to like feel that out. And so like I understood that situation completely because you like met him once. I mean, it just I come. It, it, it's not like you were around him a lot of times. Very limited basis. You met judges. him once, you made a judgment, and you were just like, I'm just going to hold that in my back pocket until... Now, my mom, on the other hand, will have several conversations <laughs> with me about a situation. And then when I finally get to the point of being like, yeah, I'm going to end this, you know, whether it's professional or personal, then my mom will be like, well, you know, I always knew. Don't say that now because you could have said something 10 times, but instead of like telling me the truth because it was needed. You felt like, oh, like she will feel like, oh, I just felt like it, it, you know, you couldn't handle it. And it's like, I, no, that's not what it was about. You didn't tell me the truth because you were afraid that you might be wrong. Let's be really, really, really real. And my mom is like really wrong about anybody, like, or any of like these types of situations, but I don't know, man. I've I've found a group of folks finally in my life where I can feel like I can be honest and truthful with. And even if we don't agree with each other, like, we can get over the hump. Super important. <sighs>
1: you know, and I, I'm just going to wager a guess that this particular question asker may be a young woman.
0: hmm so,
1: uh. I mean, I think <laughs> uh, I get That's a whole I other – I totally get that. I totally get it. There's a lot of growing and sort of, like, calibrating – how you respond to people being uncomfortable with the truth that you speak. And that a lot of that just comes with time. I can tell you, going even just from like the practice of law to business school, such a culture shock for yeah. me. And I encountered exactly what this, what this right person, person – what our mm-hmm. friend is asking about in my own self so many times when I was already past a point where I thought I was ever gonna need to think about my like hurting people, yeah, making people feel weird. Am I being weird by talking about race and business school or whatever? And the thing I learned, which was actually truly a learning to me, so that's valuable, is like speak your truth, but also be strategic. Also be strategic. Because as a lawyer, I'm kind of used to being like. The other side, they're wrong. And it's cool to say. I mean, that's not it's not cool to say that. That's what you have to say. That's <laughs> your yeah, job, Yeah, that's your right? job. But in most of the world where you're not actually in a literal adversarial position to other people, you're going to have to, like, calibrate your message based on what you're trying to get out of it. Your them, outcome. Right? So, like, are you going to talk about race, for example? I'm talking about that because that's what I think about a lot. Like, everywhere you go, if you're me, if you're you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you going to talk about it the same way everywhere you go? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe when you're in a courtroom you talk about it one way, when you're in the boardroom you're trying to bring people onto the boat mm-hmm. to your side of the line, so you're going to talk
0: about it in a little bit of a different way. When I'm on a panel, it's exactly. one thing. When I'm in a room full of, you know, folks that don't maybe share the same ideals, it's another thing, you know, because then you also have to figure out like, well, how are you going to kind of coerce Exactly. them to even be open to a different opinion.
1: Right. Are you here to attack? Which maybe in a courtroom in it, you know, to a certain yeah. degree you are. Are you here to persuade? Are you here to make people feel comfortable with your viewpoint? Are you here to call someone out because you're in a classroom and they need to know they're wrong. You gotta be strategic.
0: I mean that strategery <laughs> <laughs> strategery is something that I've actually had to start really, really trying to implement just in my personal and professional lives, just because I will notice something, acknowledge it, and be like, this is what that is. And it's like, not everybody can receive that just like that you. way. I know. Just yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're totally. like, no. And no. wrong. Especially when you're in like a romantic exchange, like that's not really helpful at all. And I've really had to kind of consider and we've talked about this on the show before, just the concept of like approaching critique with compassion versus like criticism. And I got I mean, I don't have uh, endless <laughs> I don't have an endless uh, reserve of that, but I've been working on just at least like first approach. Totally. First approach, like, hey, so I'm sure that this you, you behaved this way or you said this from a good intention, but this was how I received it, you know? And so can I get some clarity? Because I'm in my feelings. Necessary. And for the most part, I've noticed that like people who aren't douchebags will be like, let's discuss, you know? Yeah. People who are douchebags will be like, you're chastising me. I don't see, or like, they'll be like, I don't see how you took it that way. Yes, they just. like, does it,
1: but I did. (laughs) Like, you don't need to see it because I'm telling you. I'm literally telling you. I'm telling you precisely because you didn't see it. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you. So now let's deal with it. It's totally true. You got to talk to different people differently. You definitely different do. Different audiences. That doesn't mean don't be you all the time, though. Totally be you. But
0: it's okay to have sort of different versions, versions of you. I would say it's not about not being real. It's about finding different ways to be real. To be real, to get
1: what your ultimate goal is. Mm-hmm.
0: So, by now, you have all gotten to know Natasha very well. Quite well. Um, so, it's so funny also because, like, when I went to graduate school, I literally was like, I'm not here to make friends. You know, I've already <laughs> made my friends. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here in a graduate school capacity. And that has been just out the window. Like, there's Natasha. There's David Johns. Like, I still talk to Shay, who was our administrator. And <laughs> Like, it's just, like, the Columbia— um, Iris infrastructure is, it was really a blessing, like, to be in that and to have Professor Marable, rest in peace, and meet people like Natasha. It was 25 of us in the classroom. That's right. It a was a cohort. small little bunch. Tongo. Tongo. Remind me to tell you the most hilarious story about Tongo that you maybe have ever heard in your life. But side note, Tongo Eisenmartin was just uh, nominated on the short list for the Griffith Poetry Prize. Um, Tongo. He did not win because it was he was robbed. Uh, literally everyone Mm -hmm. told him you were robbed, but I'm like, yeah, but I feel like that sets you up because now it's like, everybody's like, oh, now we have to like really show you love, but you can get Tongo's poetry book. Heaven is all goodbyes, uh, publisher city lights. You can get that online. And Tongo is somebody who went to Columbia with us and it's just like, it's like a whole squadron. Yeah. So, so Tosh, um, would just be in class and say things, and I'd just be like, oh my, who is-? I will, And I will tell her this. I will never forget the day that she used binary in a sentence, and I had literally never used the word before. Never heard it before, <laughs> and I was like, who is she? I
1: think that's the side effects of being a non-Black person of color. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it came from. That I mean, that yeah. program, that education, and the people
0: totally amazing. Do you remember the first day, Professor Maribel, I don't know if you remember this, the first class that we had, Professor Maribel, the first thing he said is he came in with his Frederick Douglass hair and he just like walked very briskly to the end of the conference table and we all sat there wide eyed, you know, just really like, oh my God, we're here. We did it. What's he going to say? This is the guy. And he was like, do you all want hip hop to die? <laughs> I and I was like, that. I knew- Because I had applied to Temple and NYU, but it was like, I landed in the right place with you all. And he would always say like 120th is the widest street in Harlem because like you could see the projects across from Columbia University. So Professor Maribel also, uh, he wrote a number of great books, but uh, the latest being, of course, the Malcolm X biography. So people were not happy with certain things that were revealed in that book. But I I feel like Professor Maribel was somebody who, if anything, was about just facts. As a historian. That's right. Whether you, and, and you know, historians are not poets. Poets speak the feelings of the people, historians speak the facts of the time. That's it's, right. It's just, and it has to be recorded. You know, it's like, it's like being a Meister on Game of Thrones. You know, uh, I can see by your face that you're not a Game of Throneser. I mean, I've
1: never seen it.
0: I, I'm sorry. That's the end of the friendship. Knew, the segment is over, I the knew, show is
1: over. I was trying to avoid the subject Ugh, because the I knew it was going to be a thing.
0: <laughs> I knew it was going to be a thing. A Meister on Game of Thrones <laughs> is somebody who's basically like the historian, the griot, like mm-hmm. the knowledge-based person that is within every like uh, family and castle. So like Meister Eamon, Meister, you know, Sam is like the the one that all of us like. He's like the homie to Jon Snow and he goes to Old Town to study to be a Meister and like they're the ones who read. You know, not anybody's reading. Yeah. So he's like reading all the books and that's how he's trying to find out what the key is to saving everybody from the White Walkers. Doesn't this interest you at it, all? This, this does interest me. Okay, good. And there's dragons. I'm always like, how are people not watching in the films? There are dragons. That should be the end of the conversation. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong because there's not a lot of places you can get dragons on It's TV. just the facts. You're right. Well- Natasha, I want you to know that you are not just people I like, you're people I love. We've had a string of people I loves, which has been really, really super dope. And I also just want to let you know that it is not lost on me, like, the fact that you went to law school and then have used your degree for civil rights law. Like, that is not glamorous, it's not, you know, she's not out here in penthouses. <laughs> I am so not out here <laughs> in penthouses. You know, she's not that going is, to court in Valentino suits. Like, I, I am not. It's very thankless.
1: You know, there's a lot of truth in that. And at the same time, I'll say that representing my clients mm-hmm. has been the greatest honor that there is. And I also want to say that you know, I'm shifting into this new phase of my career, maybe, mm-hmm. but that it is still very much my intention to be part of fighting anti-Black racism in in every way that I can with all the tools that I She's
0: have. looking me dead in the eye. I feel like I'm going to cry. No,
1: really. I know. I'm going gonna, gonna <laughs> to cry. I need to stop. But you, two are people that I love, and you need to hear – just how amazing it's been to watch you blossom, I to watch do. your career <laughs> unfold in all of the ways that it has and in, to sort of anticipate all the ways that I know that it will. You are the lesson of like be you and persist and the universe will answer in its time. And I'm it has. choked up. I'm choked up. I got to stop. I just want you to know. I think about you. Should I go to business school? Amanda would do it. <laughs> she probably she would just do it, right? <laughs> she would. <laughs> she would.
0: She would. Thank you. There Tosh. you go. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you guys listening. I think I. I hope outside of just you know hearing us gush over each other that you understand the value of having people in your life that. Are not only like willing to share with you like what they feel honestly about you, but that you can look to to be like inspired in your own space. You know, I think that part of our conversation today has been about freedom of choice. And I think sometimes like we feel like you just gotta like have anybody around because they're around, whether it's family or coworkers or et cetera. And it's like you really can curate your space. And there was a certain time in my life where I realized I just had a lot of like folks in my space whose free speech actually was being uh used to just freely just Diminish, freely attempt to undermine and freely attempt to, you know, make me doubt myself and like my purpose and my value. And I had to like put my foot down and just like box out in the paint like Shaquille when he was on the Lakers and like really just say, okay, you need to have people around that are already like. In their own space, doing their own thing. And we all encourage each other. Like, I'm not, you know, you've heard me before say, like, you can't light anybody's candle. And that's the thing, it's like people have to light their own candle, but you can still, like, check on the candle. <laughs> you
1: can buy you
0: a little oxygen. A little oxygen. When you see that
1: flame about to go out. Yeah. Just, just, that's what you gotta do.
0: It's what you've got to do. And,
1: like, you can't be creative if you're not around people who aren't
0: doing cool things, taking risks. you know what Herbie Hancock, name drop, Herbie Hancock had said to me like, and I think I've said this on the show before, that everybody's creative. And I think some people feel like if they're not artists, they're not creative. And he was like, everybody has to be creative because literally living life requires creativity. Surviving. Surviving, resourcefulness, like figuring out how to maneuver within these landscapes that sometimes can feel very foreign and just literally like, Unwieldy. You know, like you just don't know what life is coming at you with every day. So you got to find ways. That's where religion comes from. That's where spirituality comes from. That's where the necessity for therapy comes from because you got to find creative ways to stay sane and manage just like the path. But I want to get into um, the next segment, which is that that one time. time. (laughs) So, Tosh, I want you to talk about voting. Because that one time that you were working with the Legal Defense Fund, you were all about voting rights and in your profession. And I know that right now you are maybe switching things, but your heart is still there and the importance of voting and, you know, all these laws that are coming to place and gerrymandering, et cetera, et cetera. So I would love for you to speak to our listeners about what we had put a pin in earlier in the show.
1: Definitely. I have so much to say about voting. And the thing is, so much of it comes from my experience as a voting rights litigator, but a lot of it just comes from my experience as a young person of color in this country. And thinking from a sort of wider lens Mm -hmm. angle, if that metaphor works, about just like what's happening with our democracy? How are we tending to it? How are we participating in it? And I know that voting, I don't know, like, maybe it's not cool. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) maybe we don't talk about it all the time. But I kind of want to, I want to challenge us to talk about it all the time. Our country is on the verge of a huge demographic shift. People, communities whom we've called minority communities for many, many centuries, decades, are in not too long from now not going to be, quote, minorities anymore. We're going to be the majority pretty soon. The demographics of this country are changing and that can be really exciting. Young people of color have the opportunity to seriously flip the script. And we've seen this happen a couple of times in in elections that have provided some really favorable presidential outcomes, for example. But we've also seen what happens when people don't participate. It's something that I think a lot of young people only think about when a major election comes up, when there's a presidential election, something that people only think about when there's a candidate who they're really excited about. And I guess I just want to encourage your listeners to think about voting and think about political participation all the time, because there is really nothing like the right to vote There's a reason that the right to vote is the subject of three different constitutional amendments. There's a reason that people have died for the right to vote. And I'm not naive. I'm not sort of out there saying, like, people have died, therefore that should motivate you, although it actually kind of (laughs) should. But I know that's not the way it works. But just don't be – you know, I, I really want young people to not be cynical about the power
0: of the ballot. I gotta tell you, I feel like I'm cynical, dude. I and I and I vote, um, but I absolutely need to be better about practicing what I preach in terms of like voting in midterm elections and voting for, you know, the people in our communities. Um, and I I know that part of my reasoning is like, I it's like if I don't know about it. I'm just like, oh, like I'm running around. So the, uh, the other people who know about it will handle it. And I think like all of us are doing that. So now no one's handling it. Like a very small amount of people are like still very like um, concerned in a more, in an action based way. And I had to like chastise my, I had to chide myself the other day. Cause I'm like, you, you better like get focused because you see that they, they, uh, they've repealed net neutrality So that's a wrap. And, you know, in my heart of hearts, in my optimistic mindset, I'm like, yeah, well, shit like that happens. And, you know, the the businesses don't always, like, follow suit or whatever. You know, it just means that now they have the opportunity to make these choices. But if we had made better decisions in terms of who we were putting in our Senate and our House, like, then it wouldn't have even gotten this far, you know? Totally true. And also local elections really matter. We
1: saw... With a recent, or sort of recent at this point, raise for the district attorney in Philadelphia, they put a civil rights lawyer in that office. Now the office is prosecuting things differently, is prosecuting mm. things with a civil rights lens. You've seen sort of the frivolous prosecutions, the frivolous warehousing of young people of color change in just a few months since you've had this new DA. Local elections really matter. I get it. They, Do you they're know, I so think, unsexy. I think people don't
0: even know that you vote for a DA. People don't know. People I will tell know. you that. I found that out, like, I mean, fairly recently, like, within the last seven years. Like, I never thought, like, a district attorney was a public office. I thought it was an appointed position within the ranks of the jurisdiction, right. jurisprudence? Right. <laughs> jurisdiction. <laughs> jurisdiction. Exactly. Okay. God. So I really just didn't know that, like, oh. And so once you find that out— and. It's almost like we need to do like a new um, conjunction, junction, like, you know, a new schoolhouse rock because so people true. don't really, truly understand how like this connects to this, connects to this, connects to this. The district attorney is the person who sees over how the prosecutors are handling what cases they, pers- correct me that's, if I'm
1: wrong. That's right. That's the head prosecutor. That's the one who's going to say, we are not worried about these nonviolent Drug crimes for first time offenders, or who's gonna say, we're very worried about them and we're just gonna warehouse young people of color through the system no matter what.
0: You, they you know implement, what I mean? but they implement rhetoric. They, they have the opportunity to like falsely implement rhetoric into how they are trying and what they are pursuing, which That's is right. really they dangerous. They decide
1: how the office runs. So, all of these things that I think a lot of us really care about um, mass incarceration and immigration, things like this. They are all affected by people who you do or don't vote into office. Facts. And so if you care about any of that stuff, like even if you think of yourself as someone who's like not big into voting, but I really care about the DREAM Act. I'm not really into voting, but I'm really concerned about mass incarceration. All of these things are decided by people who are elected into office. For some things, like mostly like immigration, it's going to be mostly at the federal level. So your senators, president, obviously – Congress people for other things. It could be the DA, and that's a local office who's elected, who's going to influence how that stuff rolls out in your community. But it's time for us to kind of realize the power of the vote and really exercise it. We're on the brink of, like I said earlier, big demographic shift. Young people of color can really, really influence election outcomes. We've seen it. We've seen it happen. It's just that we need to make sure it happens all the time. Voting should be like a party, right? Like everyone should be invited. Hmm. We're seeing all of these laws passed in all kinds of different states that are making it harder for people to vote, harder for young people, harder for people of color, harder for all kinds of people to vote there's a reason that those laws are being passed.
0: Right, because they know the power.
1: Exactly. They
0: know the power. They That's why they're the putting power. so much emphasis and so much work into it because they see the importance of it. And we have to be able to read that you know, behavior and say like, wait a minute. It's the same way that Master P turned down a deal at Universal because he was like, wait a minute. If they're willing to pay me a million dollars, then that means that this has value and I need to actually figure out how to do it myself. The same way that we're seeing that they're putting value on voting, we have to recognize, wait a minute, this has value. If they're putting all that energy into it, we need to recognize the value ourselves and challenge it. That's exactly right. Voting has always been a contested right.
1: It always goes in cycles. It always is constricted by the powers that be. And then People who are agitating against restriction against the vote win rights, win the Voting Rights Act, win, you know, whatever protections, and then they try to restrict it again. It's always been contested, and we need to keep that contesting alive by asserting our right to vote, by registering ourselves, our communities, our aunties and uncles, getting our communities out to the polls. Things like that
0: really, really matter. Well, Tosh, you matter. And I thank you so much for the work that you have put into uh, civil rights law and voting rights and just put the work you've put into being on this show. Uh, Thank you so much for coming by and like helping us get clear on what the real truth behind free speech is and also what the real necessity is to vote. Um, I can't wait to see what the next step in your incredible journey is. And I'm just honored that I was a part. Of even taking the previous step. So congratulations on the NBA. Y'all, when we come back, it's going to be time for The Last Dose. The Last Dose. Well, folks, you see, we got real political on this episode. And um, I think what we really discovered, too, is that, like, you can talk about things that are going on in the political space without it feeling like this is a political show. Because at the end of the day, like, those spaces greatly affect you in your personal life like they greatly do have they do have a great effect on how you're maneuvering in your personal life and sometimes in your professional life etc but i think the real takeaway today is to understand that free speech is about not having government interference to your language that's it in actuality that is what free speech is about Anything else that people try to call free speech is literally just someone having the right to say what the fuck they want. But guess what? You have the right to not only challenge what the fuck they said, but also to say, fuck no. Nobody else needs to hear that. Shut it down. So that goes for all of you all with businesses. That goes for all of you all with Instagrams and Facebooks, et cetera. When you have people on your site talking crazy and you feel like, well, I guess I have to allow it. No, you don't. No, you don't. Especially if it doesn't coincide with messaging that you are about. And if you're a brand, trust me, these brands be shutting shit down all day long. You know, like the reason I don't wear uh, L'Oreal anymore is because they tried to shut down Monroe Bergdorf when she simply was talking honestly about race. and she was their first trans ambassador. So they were like, Mm-mm. they so are we calling that oh they were against free speech. Yes, they were against her saying whatever she wanted, but they as a business have a right to do that. The government does not have a right to stop her. But as a business, they absolutely have the right to. It just sucks that they chose that because they had a right not to as well. Make sure to check out my Instagram, Amanda Seals. And, of course, my Funny and Black is going on tour. The Lituation 101 tour is hitting cities across the nation from July 30th to August 14th. Go to SmartFunnyAndBlack.com to get your tickets. Come on out. Let's sell these hoes out and show folks that this is the content y'all really want. And let's build it up from the ground up with the people standing up. Have a going y'all. It's a good show.